Well, have you ever happened to notice how most of us, many of us are just like Jonah when it comes to dealing with disobedience or difficulties in our lives? In fact, we see it all of the time on television and news programs. Whenever a politician or a leader or some high profile individual gets caught in a little scandal, a little immoral or unethical behavior, what's the very first thing that they tend to do? The very first thing that they tend to do is deny it. I didn't do it. You know, I'm innocent. This is a white uh, right wing conspiracy. There's all kinds of explanations, justifications, rationalizations, trying to deny that anything was done wrong rather than just fessing up and dealing with it honestly and openly, which would probably add to credibility. There's this period of long denial and the entire time there's denial and explanations. The media storm grows and grows and grows until they can't deny it any longer. And then finally, after dragging everyone through a a year or more of this kind of political turmoil or relational turmoil, they finally fess up to what most people knew was true all along. Have you ever noticed how that just seems to be our natural human response? Well, I think it's. Our natural human response, because I think we've inherited it from our spiritual forefathers. In fact, all the way back in Genesis, the very first uh, couple caught in a little scandal. This is exactly how they responded. You don't have to turn here, but just let me read to you from Genesis chapter three. It says when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves. From the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now listen to this. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. I mean, the very first time and automatically into spin control, denial, you know, it was the woman that you gave me. She made me do it. It was the serpent. She made me do it. I'm sure the serpent had a good excuse, too, for why he did it. But the reality is, when it comes to dealing with the messes we make in our lives and the disobedience that we engage in, most all of us have the same natural tendency. We tend to deny it, to blame others, to rationalize why it made sense for us to do it, rather than just fessing up and getting on with it and moving ahead. Well, that's exactly what Jonah did, as we saw last week, that rather than recognize what he had done, he was denying he was running away from God until finally the storm got so bad that he had to deal with it. And so Jonah discovered in a very difficult way how he what he had to do in order to calm the storm of God's discipline. How he could, in a sense, deal with the difficulties that he had created. And I want you to turn with me this morning to Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to look this morning at verses 10 through 16 as we continue with the story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verses 10 through 16. As we find Jonah and the sailors at the height of the storm, which is the storm of God's discipline in Jonah's life. 
And this morning, I want us to see how Jonah ultimately began to deal with his difficulties and begin the process of getting back on course with God rather than continuing to live in the storm of God's discipline. And listen to what it says here, beginning in verse 10. It says the the sailors were terrified when they heard this. And when Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the Lord God who made heaven and earth. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Jonah responded, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them. They couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. An amazing turn of events here as Jonah finally begins to deal with his disobedience. And from these uh, verses, I want us to see three steps, three steps that we can take when we finally recognize that we're uh, experiencing the storm of God's discipline and how we can begin to calm the storm and kind of get back on track with God. And the very first step that we need to take is we've got to identify the cause of the storm in our life. We've got to identify why it is that God might be choosing to discipline us. Look again at what it says in verses 10 and 11. It says the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Now, it's interesting here because these were seasoned sailors and because they were pagans, they were very superstitious kind of people. And these sailors had the good sense to recognize right off the bat that this was no normal storm. This was a storm out of season. This is the kind of storm that you wouldn't expect during the time they were sailing. And it kept getting worse and, they, and worse. And they knew that this is just not a natural storm. Now, obviously, stormy weather is a natural part of sailing. But these sailors were able to discern that this is no normal storm. And they recognize that God had brought it on for a purpose And they come to Jonah and and say, what should we do to you? Because we know that this is kind of a God ordained storm. The source of this storm is God, not just kind of normal weather situation. And they were able to discern that this was out of season. In fact, look at verse uh, look at verse 11 again. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? In fact, before that, they say, oh, why did you do it? It's like, what were you thinking? Why in the world would you ever consider running away from your God? He created the heavens and the earth. You thought you could run away from him? That's crazy. 
You're the source of this storm. You're the cause of all of our problems. You're the reason why we're all in fear of our lives. So what should we do to you to solve the problem? You see, I think one of the first steps that we need to take when it comes to our storms in life, when it comes to the discipline that God brings into our lives, if we've got to initially identify the cause. What's the cause of the problems? Now, as I mentioned last week, we need to recognize that not all of the problems and difficulties and and suffering that comes into our life is a result of God's discipline in our life. That's just not true. Again, all those things, sickness, illness, difficulty, suffering are a natural part of living in the in a sinful world. But like these sailors, We've got to be able to discern what's the difference between the the normal suffering and difficulties we experience and God's God's discipline in our lives. We've got to be able to discern between the two. What is it God trying to get our attention and what is it just a normal part of living in a fallen sinful world? We've got to be able to make that differentiation in our lives. For example, if we're constantly struggling financially and have financial turmoil and suffering, and there's never enough money to pay the bills at the end of the month, and we're constantly scripping and having to put things on credit cards, we've got to ask ourselves, why are we suffering financially? Is it because we lost our job, we were downsized? Is it because the company cut off our overtime, and that's just kind of a natural thing that we have to go through and trust God and kind of downscale? Or could it be... Because we've got 10 credit cards all maxed out and we're spending indiscriminately for things that we don't need, putting things on credit cards. And because we're being financially irresponsible stewards, we've got to be able to discern what's the difference. Because before we can do anything about it, we've got to know what's causing the discipline in our life. If we're struggling maritally in our relationship. We've got to ask ourselves, is this just a normal you know, part of two lives melding together and uh, two unique individuals living together? Or is this because we're both living selfishly or we're not loving our spouse as we should and we're not serving our spouse as we should? Could it be that because we're engaging in some activity or behavior that they're not aware of and it's creating tension in the marriage and God's trying to get our attention to bring us back on course? The very first step, if we want to calm the storm of God's uh, discipline in our lives, is we've got to understand the cause. I've got a very, very good friend. In fact, he's probably my best friend in all of the world. And I've known him for probably about 25 years now. And uh, we went to church together. We're involved in some church ministry together. Our families have vacationed together in many, many different places But my friend, over the last 10 years or so, began to experience real difficulties in his life. Now, he's a Christian man, has loved God, but he really began to suffer in his marriage. Relationship was difficult and and seemed like it was going downhill. He was struggling at work. And then he began to experience emotional problems and difficulties, things that he'd never really experienced before. And he would call from time to time and say, I just I don't know what God is doing. I don't know why I'm going through this difficult time. I said, well, maybe, you know, you need to go get some help and just uh, have a skilled helper talk you through some of this. And and maybe they can help direct you to maybe what what's causing all this. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to some shrink, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
So ultimately, another couple that know he and his wife encouraged them to go away on this week-long couples retreat. It was very, very intense, where six hours a day for the entire week, they would sit and begin to tell their stories. And he wasn't all that excited, as most guys probably wouldn't be, to just spill their guts. But over the course of that week, some very, very difficult things began to be revealed. And my friend began to recognize the cause of his pain relationally, emotionally, you know, the depression, job wise. And as it came out, my friend had to recognize and say to his wife that about 10 years back or so, he'd had an affair. And then he continued as an emotional affair. The woman that he had the affair with, which was a very brief thing, was still working uh, at his company that he owned and was still there every single day of the week. And there were some other things that he had to fess up as well. And, and finally, after 10 years of suffering and the storm of God's discipline building and building, my friend finally had to confess to himself, to his wife, to this other person. This is the cause of our problems. And it wasn't until then that he could take action and deal with it. But, you know, I'm absolutely convinced that for many of us, particularly in our Christian life, one of the reasons we suffer with a lack of joy, with misery, with depression. Now, sometimes depression is chemical and it's, it's biologically oriented. We need to discern that as well. But sometimes we, share, we have these difficulties because we've got unresolved issues in our life, unresolved sin, choices that we've made, and rather than deal with it and just fess up, we try to explain it and rationalize it and justify it, and we go years and years, and then more sin is heaped on more sin, and when you get used to being able to justify and rationalize your sin before God, like I said last week, it becomes easier and easier to do. And so one of the things we've got to get good at is, as believers is identifying the cause of those issues in our lives. Sometimes they will just be a natural part of living in a sinful world. And we just have to pray for perseverance and commitment and faith to make it through those times. Other times, if we're willing to be honest, we'll have to recognize a cause, something that we've done and the only way that we can calm the storm of God's di discipline then is to take the second step. And the second step is to accept personal responsibility. Is then to accept personal responsibility for what we've done instead of trying to blame everyone else in the world. You know, as soon as the sailors identified the cause of the storm and asked, what should we do? Jonah knew exactly what had to be done. Look at verses 12 through 14. Without any hesitation, Jonah accepts personal responsibility. In verse 12, when they say, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Jonah says, throw me into the sea. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm because I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Sometimes I think we should repeat those words, you know, out loud. It's all my fault. Because that's something we rarely hear in our culture and our society today. It's when we've done something wrong to just take personal responsibility and say, you know, it's all my fault. Wouldn't that be refreshing sometime to see someone on television or see some high profile person caught in some kind of scandal or ethics problem just to say very right out of the gate. It's all my fault. 
I did it. There's no excuse. It was wrong. It's all my fault. That's what Jonah says. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Now, it's interesting how the sailors respond here. Jonah takes personal responsibility and they, he says, it's all my fault. And their inclination was not to immediately abandon him and pick him up and throw him overboard. And that's what, what most of us fear, the, you know, the most is if we'll confess it and take responsibility for it. We're afraid that people will immediately just, you know, punish us, cast us off, whatever. But no, even these pagan so sailors said, there's got to be another solution. We're not going to do that. They'd thrown all the cargo over. They'd done all these things. They'd prayed to their gods, tried to get Jonah to pray to his God. Now they were even trying to row through the storm to sea. And then finally they realized the only thing we can do, the storm gets more and more difficult. We're never going to make it to shore. And so finally they decide to, you know, take Jonah's advice and ultimately throw him overboard. But their initial response was not just to, you know, punish Jonah in a sense and just throw him overboard. And I think the interesting thing here is that Jonah was finally able at the pinnacle of this storm to take responsibility for his own actions. And I think the same step has to be taken by us once we recognize the cause of God's discipline in our lives. Once we identify the cause of our financial difficulties, we've got to reckon, we've got to take personal responsibility for the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. We've got to say, I've been irresponsible. I've spent money I didn't have. I've bought things I didn't need. And I accept responsibility for that because once you accept responsibility and own the problem, then you can start to deal with it and try to find the solution and, and, and work your way out of it. But as long as you're, again, denying and stuff and not accepting responsibility, you know, you're not going to make any progress. It's one thing to identify the cause, but it's an entirely different thing to then take responsibility for it. With my friend um, that I just told you about, once he identified the cause, the therapist that they were with said, now you've got to take responsibility for it. And there's certain steps that you've got to take now. Are you willing to take those steps? One of the steps was you need to go home and immediately release this woman from your employment. You can't have her there all of the time and you've got to tell her why you're releasing her. Then you need to call your closest friends and you need to confess everything that you've done as you've talked to them and shared your struggles with them. Now you've got to take responsibility and call them and say, here's why I've been struggling. Here's what I've discovered is the source of my difficulty. And then he was required to share with his adult daughters. I mean, there were some painful steps that had to be taken, but because he accepted personal responsibility, he called. I, it was not that long ago that I got a call and we were in contact all of the time. And I could tell this time that he called, there was something wrong because he was nervous and quiet and kind of, you know, him and Han and finally said, Sam, there's something I've got to tell you. I thought, oh boy, what is this? And he was just very straightforward. He said, I've done this. 
I'm asking your personal forgiveness because for the last 10 years I've lied to you, I've deceived you, and I want you to know that I'm sorry and it's all my fault and I want to ask for your forgiveness, which I immediately forgave him and we prayed on the phone and we cried together and I mean it was a very painful time. But it was the next step of calming the storm of God's um, discipline in his life and, and getting back on course spiritually and relationally, professionally even. So we need to identify the cause and then we need to accept personal responsibility. But thirdly, then we need to face the consequences. We need to face the consequences of our choices and our decisions. You see, just because we identify the cause, just because we accept personal responsibility does not mean that God is going to erase all of the consequences of our sin and our disobedient actions. There will still be natural consequences that we have to face. And even though Jonah had taken personal responsibility for his disobedience, the consequences actually ended up being life threatening for Jonah. Look at verses 15 through 16. After he accepts responsibility, he says, you're going to have to throw me over. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. See, one of the consequences for Jonah was that he ended up in the drink. He ended up. In the sea. Now we're going to see next week that God didn't just abandon him and leave him to drown. God had a solution that wasn't necessarily pleasant. But there were consequences that Jonah had to face as a result of his disobedience and taking responsibility in order to get back on course with God. You know, I would like to say that when we you know, find ourselves in these situations that when we finally confess, when we finally deal with it and take responsibility and take the steps that we need to take, I'd like to say that all of the consequences just go away. But we all know that that's not the case. You see, when we make those choices in our marriage that bring relational difficulties and we begin to experience the discipline of God, if there is some kind of unfaithfulness, even though we confess, even though we ask forgiveness and we deal with it and do the things that we need to do to get back on track, sometimes the natural consequences are going to last for a while, like a lack of trust that's going to have to be rebuilt. It might be that a spouse feels so totally um, violated that maybe they end up getting a divorce, not because you want to, but they just say, I just can't deal with this anymore. And so it becomes a natural consequence of sinful actions. You see, when we make poor financial decisions, even though we begin to accept responsibility and identify the cause, it doesn't mean that we can just erase a bad credit record. We might have to live with bad credit and limited choices and a lack of financial freedom for a lot of years. But at least we've taken responsibility and we're getting back on track. And who knows what kind of miracle God might end up doing as a result to honor our willingness to confess. God can erase some of those consequences if he chooses, but not always. Sometimes we just have to live with them. You see, for my friend, one of the things that he's having to deal with now is that lack of trust. His wife wonders, can I trust you at work? Can I trust you when you're away? And it's created a little bit of friction in, in their lives. 
It's been very difficult facing the consequences of having to call friends and to feel their disappointment and to feel the things that they feel when they share with him and his daughters to see them cry. And and really, there were just some natural consequences. But at the same time, he has reported that he feels like a hundred ton weight has been lifted off him. And he feels like he's making progress with his wife and with everyone. They're finally at least the cat's out of the bag and everyone's dealing with it and trying to move forward. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the consequences just go away. There's a story of a little boy who had a very fiery kind of temper, who was always getting in trouble. He was a bully and beaten on other kids and and his parents just didn't know what to do to try to get him to obey and to mind he was always in trouble and so finally his father said for every single time that you get in trouble like this and you hurt someone or you disobey i'm going to take a big nail and i'm going to nail it right in the gate post uh in the gate so you have to see it every time you come in the house you're going to see there was another time there was another time well it wasn't long before the little guy started realizing wow Every time we went in the house, there was another nail and another nail. And he finally decided, I'm going to do something to get rid of those nails. And his father said, every time you do something good or you obey, I'm going to take a nail out. And so the little boy started working real hard, obeying his parents and and befriending people and trying to right some of his wrongs. And eventually all of the nails were gone except for one. And then the day finally came when he did something else and his father took him out to the gate And said, we're going to take this last nail out. And when that last nail came out, he danced around and was so joyful. Look, Dad, all the nails are gone. And his father said, yeah, the nails are gone, but the scars are still there. And the little guy realized that he couldn't erase all of the bad things that he had done. That sometimes the things that we do, we have to live with for a while. You see, if we want to get our lives back on course or stay on course in the first place, one of the things that we need to do is we need to understand the process. And that is the first step is we have got to identify the cause and be able to discern. Is this a spiritual issue or is this just kind of a natural part of living in a fallen world? Is God trying to get my attention and get me to respond to something, some choices I've made, some things that I've been maybe rationalized and denying for a long time that have built up and are creating problems in my life, my marriage, my finances, my professional life, whatever it might be. And once we identify the cause, then we've got to accept personal responsibility. And I think this is one of the most difficult things for people to do. I've done marital counseling for a lot of years. And I've got to tell you, one of the most difficult things it seems for another human being to do is to look at someone that they've wronged and just accept responsibility and say, it's my fault, honey. I'm sorry. I take responsibility for my actions rather than always. But, but, but you did this and you did that. And if you hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have done that. Just accept responsibility. And then thirdly, be willing to face the consequences and walk with God by faith through those consequences, because he will make sure that you get through. And the reality is sometimes God does act in an incredibly gracious way. And even sometimes removes the scars. Now, even though the scars remain, we are forgiven by God. God is quick to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness when we confess. We're still clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We're still holy and blameless in his sight. 
But sometimes, just as in King David's situation, even though he came clean and God washed his soul and forgave him, there was still the matter of the child that he had with Bathsheba and the death of that child. And unfortunately, some of the things that had ramifications in the rest of his family as a result of that sin. Forgiven, yes, but sometimes the consequences continue. Let me just share three action steps this morning. Three very simple action steps. And the first one is this. If, if you're struggling this morning in some area of your life, and if you discern that this might be the discipline of God, that this might be a way that God is trying to get your intention, just simply identify the cause. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. And that's the first step. Secondly, be willing to take responsibility for the problem and do whatever it takes to take care of the problem. Don't blame others. Don't make excuses, but just take personal responsibility before God and others. And then thirdly, realize that some of the consequences will linger and will take time to work through. But be patient and don't lose heart and trust God and you will work through those. And I can guarantee you that life will ultimately be better than continuing to live with that disobedience and that unconfessed sin in your life. We need to allow God to do his work in our lives, but we really have to initiate that process. So let's pray that God would enable all of us to live that way on a regular basis and not allow things to pile up in our lives that God ends up then having to shout at us through circumstances to get, you know, to get our attention and get us back on course because he loves us too much to just ignore it and let it go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you forgive our sins, that you cleanse us. We thank you that you're faithful to your promise. And Father, even this morning, as we're reminded of that by communion, I pray that as we participate this morning, as we hold the bread that symbolizes the body that was sacrificed for us, as we hold the cup that symbolizes the blood that was shed to cleanse us. Father, I pray that you would give us the supernatural courage to identify the things in our life that might be causing us problems, to take responsibility if it's our fault. And then, Father, to follow you through whatever consequences might come, knowing that you will walk with us and work with us. Father, again, we thank you that you do forgive us, that you love us, And Father, we pray that we might be people who stay on course spiritually with you throughout this journey of life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.